Podcast Answer Man, episode number 322. Entertaining, educational, and encouraging content that makes a difference. This is GSPN.TV. Join the community. Hi, everyone. Dan Meller here from 48 Days Online Radio. You're listening to the Warren Buffett of podcasting. Cliff understands the wealth of podcasting and is without question the Podcast Answer Man. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Podcast Answer Man. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft, and this, my friends, is the podcast about podcasting, helping you take your show to the next level. It doesn't matter if you're a brand new podcaster, if you have been podcasting for many years, or you haven't quite yet recorded that first episode, there's something we can all do to take our show and everything else we do in life to the next level. That's right, my friends, and today is going to be a little bit more of a lengthier episode than normal. I I try to always keep these things under an hour, but Eric Fisher and I got to talking today about internet all over the globe and how the internet has changed my personal perspective on the world, as well as a great discussion uh, with Eric as my sounding board for why I am heavily engrossed in incorporating Evernote into my life. If you want to hear all about that, uh, stick around for this full episode. I do want to kick things off right away, though, by uh, immediately jumping into a story that I told everybody I would talk about in this episode, and it is the most recent article in USA Today uh, related to podcasting, I should say. Now, this was a post on their website, and it was the article that titled, um, Remember Podcasting? It's back and booming. So supposedly this is an article that is supposed to be, hey, everybody in the everybody in the world take notice podcasting that that old technology, guess what? It is back. Now, of course, I've shared many times in the past. There this is probably the fourth or fifth time I've seen somebody uh um announce the the what do you call it the second coming of podcasting uh, and every single time i'm just like everyone else out there in the podcasting community is saying what are you talking about there is never a time that podcasting has gone away in fact there are many very many podcasters who are upset about this article and by the way i am not upset about this article uh, i think it's got some things that are factually incorrect One of them being that podcasting isn't back because, well, it never went away. There has not ever been a time where podcasting has not grown. Every single year since its inception, podcasting has grown in popularity. There's never been a downward downward spiral, and it has never completely flatlined. Uh, there, There was a plateau for what some people would call a plateau, but still there's always been an upward trend. And of course, last year at the end of 2012, I personally did predict that 2013 or 2014 uh, would be the year that podcasting goes mainstream. And I think everything is pointing to the fact that, uh, well, 2013 is the year for podcasting, the, the year that it is going mainstream. It's not back, it's just booming. And and I don't argue with that part. Remember podcasting? Well, guess what? It is booming. 
it is going mainstream. That's what the title of this article should have been. Uh, but, you know, I'm still, I'm not upset because this article did some other wonderful things. Now, I will tell you that there are several other people who are very upset for another reason about this article, and that not only are they upset with the the fact that, you know, they're saying, hey, podcasting, it used to be really hip and cool, and then it's not, you know, it, it kind of went away and now it's back. Uh, but if that weren't enough, it's the the authors of this article, and this has happened in several other articles as well related to podcasting in the mainstream, um, and, and that is that not only are they saying that podcasting was dead, but now it's being revived, but it's the celebrities who are saving podcasts, that, that the whole podcasting as an industry or podcasting as a, as, as a, as a medium for communicating, that, that it has been saved from the clutches of death by very popular people. You know, uh, comedians that are very well-known, actors, television stars, Joan Rivers and Kevin Pollack and Mark Maron and, and Chris Hardwick and, and all these very popular people who have tons, hundreds of thousands of people who are submitting, you know, who are um, subscribing to their podcast. And well, you know, to be honest, I'm very happy that those celebrities are involved. Um, I, I think it's great. I think it's wonderful. And it helps bring podcasting to the mainstream. So I, for one, am very thankful for the celebrities that, you know, for the Adam Carollas and the the Mark Marins and the um, Chris Hardwicks and, and the Kevin Pollocks and the Joan Rivers and the, all the other people who are helping podcasting get in front of tons of people, literally millions of people that would have never heard of it otherwise. So I'm very thankful for the celebrities. I don't think that they're to, I don't. I don't think that they've saved podcasting, but I certainly do think that they are helping the boom. And so, I for one am very grateful to them. Now, um, I overall, this article in USA Today is still great exposure for podcasting, and I think it's a wonderful thing for us all. And in fact, this article, this this post on the USA Today website was not only a little bit of a written article, but it also had a video that went with it. I think the video is probably about four or five minutes. I, I didn't take a close look at that. But I did pull out some audio clips that I want to play for you, some very positive things that have been communicated to the mainstream audience. This is not just tech and geek heads and stuff like this. You, you got to imagine, I don't, I don't have any idea how many people are going to read this article, whether it's tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands. Have no clue. But however many read this, I would imagine there are going to be radio executives, uh, CEOs of big corporations with advertising dollars, and some pretty important people are are going to be aware of this article. And when they hear it, they're going to hear Jay Moore say something like this. By the way, Jay, I, I don't know who Jay Moore is, but I... Uh, have concluded or deducted uh, by deduction I have actually uh, found out that he's an actor and he's been in movies and TV shows and and probably on stage and people have asked him the question hey you know out of all the things that you do what do you like better the movies the TVs or whatever and listen to this he says I never had an answer to that question before when people go What's your favorite thing to do? Stand up, acting, TV, movies. I'm always like, well, this is better because of this. And the, 
podcast is the best because it's so personal. So there you go. So here's you got somebody who's been in movies, television shows, on stage, doing stand-up, whatever. What is his favorite thing to do? Out of all of that stuff, podcasting is his favorite. And why? Because of the words, it's more personal. It's more personal. It allows me to be me and communicate. And I love that. And of course, that was uh, immediately followed up by Aisha Taylor, I believe is her, Tyler is her name, and she says this. And people interact with podcasts in such a specific way, even more than with uh, with video, because they they listen to it in their car, they listen to it to, through headphones, it's very intimate, it's just your voice and your guest voice kind of, you know, and they're the third person in this conversation, so I think that there's uh, an informality and an intimacy that people develop with you when they listen to your podcast. So again, all of these CEOs and big companies with advertising dollars, they're hearing the words, it's more personal, it's connecting with people on a, on a more intimate level, people are listening to it in their cars, it, it gives you a more intimate connection with your audience. Again, this is a message that we want the mainstream, we want corporate America, we want them to hear the power of podcasting, and this little video is communicating that to them. And then, of course, you have Chris Hardwick, who actually, believe it or not, has my favorite quote out of this entire video montage that they put in the post. And listen to this. I absolutely love every word of this. Well, our culture is so niche-oriented now that, you know, you don't need 30 million people to listen to your podcast. You can, if 10,000 people listen to your podcast, which is not a hard number to achieve, then you have 10,000 people listening to your podcast, you know, and then that... You can do something with that, and you can build a community, and you can you could literally change the world just recording. There you go. And, of course, they did a hard stop on that. I, w- I wish he would have finished his, uh, his sentence there because he was holding up a smartphone. He says, just by recording, and I would assume he said, just by recording your voice. And I think that's awesome. Yes, you don't need 30 million people to listen. You can change the world by just gaining an audience of 10,000. And, and I would even tell you that it's, it's not even 10,000 that you need. And I would agree with him also that gaining an audience of 10,000 people is not that hard to get. I know some of you are thinking, oh, I wish I could get there. You will eventually if you do things right, continue to work at it. Um, trust me, it, it's possible. And and I love what he says. And you can build a community. You can change the world just by recording your voice. I love that. Now, I will take issue to... <laughs> the, que- the the response that uh, I guess Jeff Garland gave to the question, can you get rich as a podcaster? His Now, I want you to hear this, and now obviously he's talking about himself, but uh, the question asked by the reporter is, can you get rich as a podcaster? Is it possible? And his immediate answer is no, an emphatic no. And then he talks about how he's not become rich, how some people have become rich, but for him, no, it's just a labor of love. Listen to how he words it. Can you get rich as a podcaster? No. No. God, no. You can't. I mean, you can do something where you have, like, the Nerdist or uh, 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 Earwolf, what have you, where they have a bunch of different ones and they've got money coming in. I don't know if you can get rich, but I know as an individual person doing a podcast, no, you don't get even remotely rich. It's not something to do for money. So you're doing it for fun? I'm doing it for fun, yes. I make some money, but minimal, believe me. 
Well, you know, I, I, here's the deal. This all comes down to, you know, do you make money from directly from podcasting? And I believe it's possible to make some pretty serious income if you have an audience of 10,000 people devoted to a, a specific niche. You could get some sponsorship and advertising dollars and 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 I, I make some pretty significant income. Leo Laporte has built something and, and makes a significant amount of income. If you want, you can go to podcastanswerman.com slash Leo interview, L-E-O interview. Again, that's podcastanswerman.com slash Leo interview. You'll hear about the millions of dollars that Leo makes every year. Um, and then, of course, you know, I, I look at myself. Now, the numbers are old, but if you go to podcastanswerman.com slash income, Again, that's podcastanswerman.com slash income. Uh, I wrote this article back on August 2011. And is it possible to generate income directly from podcasting? And I actually share with you in there how I made my first six-figure income. My first six-figure income. And uh, let's see here. Did I, I? So I did that in 2011. I can't remember where I put... My total in I, I, my total income for the year. Oh, here it is. My total that brings my total amount of income generated by my business in 2010 to 132,030 dollars. So I made my in 2010 I made my first six figure income, and I show you just how much of that is directly as a result of my podcast. Now, if I didn't have my podcast, I wouldn't have pretty much any of that stuff. So, sure, maybe if you're independent podcast recording just one show about a specific topic, can you become rich? The answer to the question is yes, you can. It is possible. Will you? It's not probable, but there are some things you could do to make things happen. And, and you know, you could build an audience of 10 to 50, 100,000, 500,000 people. It is possible. All right. Have I done that to where I can just record one podcast behind a microphone and I don't have to have other products and services to support my family of five? I haven't done that. However, have I used podcasting to build a business around my passion and and actually create a business that generates, well, obviously a whole lot more than six-figure, you know, just the the... Well, that generated $177,288 back in 2010, which, by the way, my income is a lot more today than it was in 2010. Um, but, you know, is it possible to generate a business, to create a business that generates that amount of income as a result of your podcasting efforts? Yeah, it is possible. And and so, yeah, it, you know, I just wanted to say that it is possible to make money. Uh, is is that the reason to go into podcasting? I don't believe so. I didn't go into this to make tons of money. I didn't go into this thinking I'm going to make more money doing podcasting than I would have in insurance, although it has happened for me, and I'm very thankful for that, and I'm not afraid or ashamed of making money and earning money and and uh, all of that stuff, but uh, yeah, it, you can. I Can you get rich as a podcaster? I would. The answer is yes, it is possible. All right. Do I am I going to be able to give you a formula for how to do it? Eh, no. Uh, you know there 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 are so many things that go into things like that. Anyway, the written por- portion of the article. I want to read to you a couple things about the written portion of the article that I just want to address real quickly here. First of all, it says, and this is word for word, word for word from the U- uh, USA Today Post. 
Podcasts began as an outgrowth of the Apple iPod as a tool to bring original programming to the once hugely popular uh, MP3 type, uh, device. So, first and foremost, absolutely wrong. Podcasting is not an outgrowth of the iPod as a tool to bring original program programming to the iPod, to this MP3 device. And later in the article, it says, meanwhile, iTunes, where podcasts began, is about to get a new cousin in the fall, iTunes Radio. So here's the thing. So a couple things it says here. Podcasting is an outgrowth of the Apple iPod, and it was actually brought on to bring original programming to the iPod, and it says also that iTunes is where podcasting began. You know, I, you know, it's surprising to me that that journalists of USA Today would get this wrong because it's not too hard to just to go to Wikipedia and look up the facts here. But Wikipedia says in June 2005, Apple released iTunes 4.9 with native support for podcasts. While this made receiving podcasts more convenient. It, effect, it effectively, in some, by some people's uh, uh, opinion or perspective, it effectively ended advancement of podcast of the podcast medium by independent independent developers. To add to the cooling factor, Apple issued cease and desist orders to many podcast application developers and services service providers for using the term "pod" in the name of their products. So there was the iPodder X, and there were other applications that you could use to do to get podcasts, even before Apple added podcasting to iTunes. Podcasting started in February 2004, all right? So February 2004, it wasn't until a, a year and a few months later that iTunes started to incorporate it. Now, did the term podcasting come from, was it Was it influenced by the iPod? Yes, absolutely it was. There is no question about that. But no, podcasting did not begin in iTunes. Apple did not start it as, an, as a way to bring independent content to their media devices. That is ridiculous and inaccurate, and so I just wanted to point that out. Uh, but anyway... Uh, they also said this, the rise in smartphones and the ability to access podcasts without wires has changed all of that, meaning that, you know, it's coming back now, um, and greatly expanded the audience. Additionally, new apps to listen to podcasts directly beyond iTunes, which, by the way, there were apps to listen to podcasts directly beyond iTunes before 2005. There always has been. Uh, they've never gone away. Anyway, some of them did because Apple, you know, sent them cease and desist letters back in the day. But anyway, um, including here are some new ones: TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, iHeartRadio gave podcast an entirely new audience. Says Alan, Alan Weiner, uh, he is an analyst with Gartner. This is very true. This is an absolutely accurate statement, with the exception that they forgot to mention that there were apps that allowed you to listen to podcasts before. Uh, and even somewhat easier than iTunes back in the day. However, however, there's no doubt that the smartphones have you know, the smartphone is more responsible to the new boom in podcasting uh, more than any of the celebrities. Although, again, I am very grateful to the celebrities. I will always be grateful to them, just as I am to the Catholic Church for my 
faith that has clearly lived on <laughs> for lots of years, and even though I'm not a Catholic. So there you go. Anyway, the podcast that, uh, let's see, it says here, this is in the word for word from the article, that podcast have the potential to chip away at the traditional radio listening was clearly noticed at Clear Channel, the nation's largest radio broadcaster. In July, it added podcasts to its iHeartRadio service. This is also very true. And uh, you know what? Um, I just recently did an interview with a very, very, very popular radio broadcaster. And he brought me on because he wanted to talk to me about podcasting on his show. And before I got on to the show, um, his radio producer says... Hey, you know, you know, so this person he's he's going to get on here and he's going to ask you questions. Now, really he knows all the answers and and stuff like that, but you know, he's just going to toss you a couple little softballs because he already knows it all. We're doing great, blah 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 blah. And and so okay, whatever. I'm here to talk about my favorite passion podcasting. And so he asked me some questions and uh well, he asked me some questions and I told him some things that he didn't know. Uh, and in fact, he was he was actually tossing out some softballs that were well. Guess what? They were inaccurate softballs. Uh, you know, he, he one of the things, he, for example, he said, and I'm not mentioning his name, but one of the things that he said, he says, "Well, everybody who 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 now can create a podcast, of course, every single person is going to do this because you know everybody loves to hear their own voice." You know, and and tell t- Cliff, tell him how it is. Tell him how everybody once they actually find out that they can do this, that they absolutely love to hear their own voice. And I said, well, you know, that's not really true. I would say that, you know, I I teach about 30 people every other month in a class how to uh, create podcasts. And I would say that at least 40% of them have a really difficult time getting used to actually speaking into a microphone. It's almost as uh, much of a fear as, as it is in public speaking. And, and for many of those people, it's very difficult for them to press through, but eventually they do find their voice and it gets easier for them. And of course, and I said, you know, there are people like you and I who love to hear ourselves talk. And uh, there's no question about that. But it, it's not easy for everyone. Not everybody likes it. Uh, but it is worth it, is what I said. And he, and he threw out a couple other things and it's like, eh, you know. Uh, and, and then, of course... Um, Later, I listened to the podcast, and, and the production quality wasn't that great. So, um, anyway, we'll just move on from there. But uh, and yeah, so uh, it is true. Radio broadcasters are listening, and and they are trying to incorporate podcasting because they realize on demand and portable media is the thing, and it's the way of the future. So, those are my thoughts on the USA Today article. Podcasting has never gone away. But it is booming. Well, my friends, it is that time again for our social media segment with our great friend and social media correspondent, Eric J. Fisher, standing by live. Eric, how are you today? I am doing well. Excellent. So uh, today we're going to be talking about uh, a big problem in the world of reaching the entire globe with our message, and that is that there seems to be a couple people who don't have internet access. A couple, yeah. About two out of three people. <laughs> two, so we just learned this week that two-thirds of the world's population does not have any access to the internet at all. Did that, did that blow your mind to hear that stat? 
Not necessarily. I mean, I, I, you know, you hear that whole third world problems and first world problems hashtag stuff, but you know, I, I, I kind of figured that it was a large number, but I, you know, I wasn't certain. So, well, what's surprising to me, it's the reason why this caught me off guard is due to the fact that I've been hearing all kinds of stories of how you know people in Africa have you know fiber access where they're getting you know gigabit downloads per second that is up true. and down and in in terms of internet speed we really do fall way behind the rest of the world which is that is weird and and actually not only are we falling falling behind in the rest of the world but many of the third world countries ha- that have at internet access have much better uh, infrastructure than we do because of course you know there's there's not all the existing stuff to get around i mean you know laying down lines underground and stuff like that's easy when you don't have to to deal with you know the last several hundred years of building projects and construction and all that other stuff so so i'm sitting here hearing about all the you know all these places that have internet access and and i'm just thinking you know the world is actually coming together and not to mention the fact that i've you think about all the stats on the number of users that facebook has and and all these other things you're thinking you know this is you know the internet is spreading around the world and ever since i got into new media with blogging and podcasting and of course twitter and facebook and linkedin and and stuff like that we talk about the fact that you know this is really shrinking the earth down and and it just seemed to me that I guess in my own mindset, and obviously I realize there are people who live in shacks who don't have internet access and and stuff like that. But even and then, probably it's not the first thing they ver- they need, right? But even I must admit my own ignorance in this area, in that even in the, some of those situations, I kind of have in my mind that sure they they don't live in an area where they have this in their home but they travel to their local town and they get in an inter- internet cafe and they're writing emails about their Nigerian mm-hmm. prince that's stuck and needs, you know, some assistance and <laughs> right. will share their wealth. Yes. So, anyway, uh, two-thirds of the world's population has no internet access. That just blows my mind. Yeah, and, and so two-thirds of the world can't listen to podcasts. <gasps> that, my friends, is a tragedy. Actually, that's not true. I, I guess they could, because see, the the benefit of of podcasting is that those people could go to a place that has the internet. They could download it and take it with them. Well, and so I guess what I'm wondering is, what does that statistic really mean? Does it mean that they don't have it personally by a cell phone with data connection or a home internet connection, or is it that they don't have any access anywhere nearby them whatsoever? Yeah, that's a that's that is a good question. We don't know the answer to that. Of course, what we're doing is we're reading the statistic off of uh, internet.org and it's an article. Tell tell people about the article, Eric. Well, the the article has to do with and, and of course the, the the highest profile name person that's involved with this project, this project called internet.org is Mark Zuckerberg, the founder of Facebook. And the title is, you know, Zuckerberg wants to bring the whole planet internet access. And it's actually not just Facebook. It's it's not just Mark Zuckerberg or just Facebook. It's Facebook, Ericsson, MediaTek, Nokia, Opera, Qualcomm, and Samsung. And so those are some pretty big names. And I think that you know them working together, this could happen. 
Absolutely, it could. And and that's what their goal is, is to bring internet to everyone, or at least the access to it. Um, so you were saying, you know, I, I, I going back to my joke, though, I, I think that this is an argument why audio podcasting and even video podcasting, if you want, um, is better than YouTube because, of course, like I said, it's it's portable. You can take it with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so you 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 could travel. You, let's just say you you travel ten miles to the most r- remote location where you can find an internet cafe. You can uh, you know charge up your device while you're there and and uh, download some stuff, and you have hours and hours worth of content. I know of people who, when podcasts originally started being connected to iTunes, would download their shows to listen to to their laptop and then open their laptop in their car and hit play. Yeah. Because devices weren't available to really just do that yet. Well, they were there, but some people well, just didn't have, they, right. didn't, they didn't go that far to get them. So absolutely. Were you one of those people by chance? No, I'm referring to a, a mutual friend of ours, and I'll just out him right now. It's Daniel J. Lewis. Oh, really? He told me that story a couple of, day, a couple of times. Yeah. Uh, good stuff. Well, um, anyway, so internet.org, their their goal is to wire the world, or and actually not wire the world. That, isn't that crazy that we used to use you know wired, but now everything's kind of going wireless? Yeah, I would say primarily I am on Wi-Fi more than, well, I guess that's probably a false statement. I still prefer wired when I can do it, and I do that a majority of the time. But I'm all Wi-Fi at home. You know, I I am hardly wired at all. Matter of fact, I I don't believe I have an Ethernet cable going to anything, any computer in my house, including my live stream uh, via Ustream that's going out. And this Skype conversation is all happening over Wi-Fi. Yeah. Yeah. Not so. on my end. <laughs> no, it, well, on my end it is. So here's the deal. Uh, even in the United States, there are rural parts of our country that don't have uh, access to broadband internet. Now, of course, pretty much anybody with a telephone line has access uh, via um, you know, dial-up speeds, if you will. That's still a possibility, and of course, that's better than nothing, uh, certainly. Now, even in the United States, though, if you have the funds, and it's actually becoming much and much less expensive, I think for like 50 bucks a month, uh, plus one-time setup and some e- potential equipment cost, um, satellite is starting to become affordable, and also somewhat broadband. I have a friend of mine who's a member of the Podcast Mastermind, and he has a satellite internet. I'm not sure if it's HughesNet or you know the DishNet, but um, or Directv or Dish Network. But anyway, he has one of the two, and he has broadband internet. And he has when we have go to meeting sessions, we use HD faces. He his video comes in and super great HD. Uh, he hears us wonderful. We hear his voice uh, in good quality voice over IP. The one thing that I noticed there is that um, he does have a little bit of a delay. So he hears us uh, probably a couple, actually I think, yeah, he hears us a couple seconds, like maybe a second and a half after we speak and we hear him probably about the same delay. So there's a little latency there, but it's nothing like the old days. And I I used to talk with people with the older uh, dish setups and it was you just couldn't have a Skype conversation. Uh, but and how far away are they? 
Uh, he's he's actually in uh, I can't remember where, but he's down in Kentucky, right close to like Cumberland Falls, you know that mm. kind that area. So, but yeah, that's what he's using, and it and it works good. Now, here's the situation. I I told my dad this. My 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 stepdad and I were having a conversation years back, and we were talking about the internet because uh, my parents bought a lake house down on Lake Douglas, which is in the Smoky Mountains. Uh, in the Smoky Mountain region, anyway, and the house there had no internet connectivity outside of dial-up or dish, uh, or yeah, satellite. And he didn't want to do the satellite uh, at the time. And when we went down there, the only thing we had was edge connection on our phones. You and that was only <laughs> if you went to the highest elevation possible. Like in the house, it was a it's a three story house. So if you go up to the third story and hold your phone up against the window, you might get an edge connection to download your emails into your mail client. And uh, recently, you I've gone down there, and now there's nice solid uh, LTE connection, which is really cool. So they've upgraded some towers down there for AT and T. Yeah, I was gonna say when when my family went to the Smoky Mountains back in June you'd get high up on the mountain and suddenly I whip out my phone and it's got LTE and I'm like, what? Here yep. in the mountains? What's that about? Yeah, that that's just happened within the last year or so. So it, it's pretty cool. So they're doing some things, but one of the things that I had a conversation with my dad years ago, I said, you know, I believe that in the future, you're going to be able to get the internet anywhere you want to go. I mean, I believe that your car will have, you know, internet access and it will consistently be connected, just like you can do with satellite radio today and just turn it on. You've got the XM radio. You'll have a good, solid, reliable connection to the Internet both ways. It, it'll not just be down, but it'll be up speeds as well. And eventually, I think it'll happen to where there's zero latency. It'll be just like you're at home, kind of like what we have with our cell phones. I mean, I, most of the places where I drive where there's LTE, I get better speeds on my LTE than I do sometimes with my fiber or my you know very high speed cable internet access. Have you noticed that as well? Yeah, I have definitely noticed that. But uh, what I had told him, I said I believe that there there are going to be some improvements. You know, if you think about what we have today compared to ten years ago, we would have just barely dreamed that this was possible. What we're doing now, and I believe there's going to be internet. Uh, in ways that we're not dreaming of currently. And I don't mean that it's going to be the cell phone companies that is going to be providing it, and I don't think it's going to be fiber and under the ground and wires stretched out to each other. Uh, And I don't think it's going to be limited to satellite either. I believe there's going to be some other way, and I don't know if they're going to bounce it off the ionosphere like they do with shortwave radio or if they're going to do something, but... I really believe there's gonna there there's gonna come a day when there are at least two or three or four other options for us to have internet access everywhere with no matter what your line of sight or whatever the case might be uh, when it comes to the towers and stuff. And, yeah, I think it's an inevitability. And then Google came out with uh, is it Project Loom or Loon? It's one of those. I, yeah. It's google.com slash L-O-O-N. Have you, have you looked into that? 
Not a lot, just because I, there's always once in a while this rumor that, oh, Google's going to buy this this whole city Wi-Fi, and, and that's cool, but it's nowhere near me, so I don't ever pay tons of attention. Well, you should definitely t- take a look at google.com slash loon. It's providing, it, for the first portion of it is to provide internet access to third world countries where you normally wouldn't be able to uh, get this, you know, very remote, remote areas. But um, they're delivering internet access via like weather balloons. Oh, weird. Yeah, I'm looking at the site now. That is interesting. Yes, it is very interesting. And so they're launching, let's just, I don't know, just say, you know, 50, 60, 100 different weather balloons up into the, you know, you know, into orbit with the Earth. And it's up in space, you know, in, in this one certain area. And they're able to control uh, this, the location of where the balloon is by causing it to go up and catch winds one way and to go down in elevation to catch winds the other way and keep them in space in, in a certain sp- uh, specific area. And they basically have little you know, Wi-Fi transmitter towers up there. And so when you think of line of sight, it's line of sight up into the sky, which really opens up opportunities. So this is one of those things. And I guess my question is, is, you know, I, I wonder if, you know, number one, would Facebook help and, and actually Internet.org, I guess I should say, uh, would they partner with Google to help, you know, make this a reality? And I wonder what other ways that they're going to help to bring Internet to everyone. Yeah, it would be cool to see other companies that maybe like this Google project step up and become part of the internet.org um, project. I'm looking at this Loon thing, and I, I have to admit my first impression was, and it looks legit, but at the same time I'm like, oh, this looks like one of the Google April Fool's Day jokes. We're going to launch a weather balloon, and it's going to give you Wi-Fi, and it's going <laughs> to make you have the ability. We're going to launch it, and it's going to, you know, and it's it's just starting in New Zealand. We're going to launch 30 weather balloons in New Zealand. And anyway, I think yeah. it's funny, but it, I, I believe it. Yeah, it, it definitely looks like an April Fool's joke, but it's not. It is, this is a reality. And so I, I'm well, excited. you got to be crazy and dream. That's how those things happen. So, so why are we talking about this on the social media segment here of Podcast Answer Man, Eric? Well, because the internet access is the backbone of being able to connect and do any of these things we're talking about, whether it's social media or podcasting or whatever, email. So, Absolutely. And, and, and that's the thing. And here, here's one of the things that I noticed. Um, our, our mutual friend, Mark Malkoff, did you see his most recent video? Oh, that, yes, yes. Tell, tell people about the video. Because so, I've, I've been talking a lot. You, you tell people about this most recent video that Mark did. Well, it was how many, what, what was the anniversary of Skype? It was how many years? 10 years, I think. 10 years for, of Skype. And so Mark, and I remembered he'd been working on this for a while. I had forgotten that he had done the video, but they just launched it. And, and so he talked with someone in every country, I think like one, one all 168 countries. That 162 is what he ended with. There you go. And he talked, and so the video is a compilation and, and of him talking with a bunch of different people on Skype to all these different countries for the birth 10-year anniversary of Skype. And it's amazing to think that you could do that. Absolutely. And Skype, as far as I'm concerned, is just as much social, you know, social media as anything else. And in fact, it's one of the most awesome 
pieces of social media. As a matter of fact, it combines two. Uh, instant messaging is, I think that was probably one of our earliest versions of instant communication and, and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, I think After, so. And it, it, I think it almost predated texting to a certain extent. Yep. And so there, there was that. And then, of course, um, there's the video chat and audio chat, like what we're doing. My my big one was that he's like in the video. Mark was able to even get somebody in North Korea, right? And so, Which, I mean, to be able to, I mean, with all the different political things, to be able to get somebody everywhere was really cool. Yeah. So it, it's an interesting video. You guys need to check it out. Just do um, a search for uh, Mark Malkoff, and it's M A L K O F F. And then do Skype is all you need to do. do You'll a, find it, yeah. Do a Google search for Mark Malkoff Skype, and uh, you'll find all kinds. It's basically called Skype Around the World. Or if you just go to YouTube.com and type Skype Around the World, you'll see Mark Malkoff's video. The thing that most interests me about the video is at the very end. And uh, let me see if I can play it here, uh, uh, Erica. I'll see if I think I'll probably be able to. To find this one this would spot. Never be possible. Yeah. Yeah. And I am currently in a football match. First week of this project, I did a call over Skype with 140 countries. By the end of this project, 162 countries. Good morning, Kenya. And although we may have our differences, football, soccer, football, soccer. We are more alike than you might think. If you could say one thing to people all around the world, what would it be? Just tell everyone to be happy, to be satisfied, be at peace. Peace. Love one another. I would tell the world to have much more love to each other. Like a few years ago, we have some disasters. We got a lot of love from, from the world. We have to say thank you for all the world. Good night, world. So basically, the whole idea here is to get people from Lebanon and and all of these other countries where you know you hear about the wars and the battles and and all this stuff. And he's talking to all of these different people, and he asks them all this question. And and you hear three things that are the common theme that they want to say to the entire world. Number one, be at peace with one another. Number two, be thankful for what you have. And number three, love one another. I mean, so it, I just thought it was very awesome, and yeah, uh, and and I believe that the internet brings the ability for people to see just how much we are alike. Mm-hmm. It, one of the things that struck me about the video that Internet.org created was it was a speech. I believe it was John F. Kennedy speaking, although I'm not a hundred percent certain. It sounded like his voice, and. He was talking about that the need for peace was going to require uh, greater understanding, and greater understanding would require greater connectivity. Yeah. I thought that was a perfect example. Here, here's one thing that I can tell you, Eric, is prior to my introduction to the internet and being able to talk to people around the world, I used to be driven, my worldview was driven by the media, uh, the mainstream media. And if there was a war against Iraq or if there was a war here or a war there, those people were the enemy, you know, and those people were out to hurt us. And so it was very much us against them and 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 I root for our people. And, and I, 
and, and Eric, I am absolutely ashamed to say this, but back in the Iraq war, I was like, you know, why can't they just blow the whole country off the planet? I mean, that's how ingrained the media made me think about other countries in the world. And today, creating a podcast, literally, there there are tons and tons and tons, literally tens of thousands of people from all these different countries who are downloading my content. And, you know, I've literally worked one-on-one via GoToMeeting with Fahad uh, Al-Mashat in, um, oh, where is he? He is in Saudi Arabia, you know, and, and, and helping him launch his podcast for pilots and other, you know, just other people in all of these different countries. And now these people are my friends. And and what I realize is that, yeah, in all kinds of places, there's some really bad things happening. And, and we see, certainly need to, at times, fight for what's right. But these people are, you, you can't, you can never take what's going on with a faction of people and throw that as a blanket over an entire country of people. It, it's... We're all individuals, and as far as I'm concerned, what the what social media has done and what the internet has done for me is to really help me understand that every single person on this planet is really my brother and my sister. And I worry that sometimes that it, you know, the internet has made me quote unquote less patriotic uh, because you know where I grow, where I've grown up, it's every patriotism is everything, you know. Uh, and stuff like that. Whereas I, I don't. What I mean by being less patriotic is meaning that I really don't see myself as a citizen of the United States. I see myself more as a citizen of the world. And and when people talk about outsourcing and this and that and and you know employing you know the help of of people in the Philippines or India. It's like th- these people need jobs too, and these you know these are great people. These are individuals, and you know what can we do to help and serve and love and and provide value to each other, no matter what our nationality or where we happen to have been born on this earth. And this official episode is now, or this uh, this episode is now officially the touchy feeliest. The touchy. Of- of podcast answer man ever <laughs> the touchy touchy filiest yes ah anyway so go check it out my friends uh, google.com slash loon l-o-o-n and internet.org if you want to follow these stories and more uh you know I, I i'd love to see the rest of the world get the access to the internet and uh let us all learn more about each other so that we can find out that we are more alike than what most people will tell us. So, Eric, that is going to wrap up our social media segment. This is normally where I would say, hey, thanks for having you, and you would say, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. (laughs) But wait, there's more. In fact, we are now going to transition into a productivity segment. And I would like to welcome our productivity, (laughs) one of our productivity uh, correspondence, Eric J. Fisher to the show. Eric, Thank how you. are you, man? Thank you. I'm good, man. I just got done doing a different segment on a, a show about social media and the internet. Man, that guy. Anyway, <laughs> he went on and on. <laughs> he went, yeah, yeah. I think I know who you're talking about. He's a little wordy. So anyway, uh, productivity, uh, Eric. For me, there is one technology tool 
that seems to be brought up more than any other tool. You know, I Workflowy is a tool that I use a lot. Um, Basecamp is a is a program that I use a lot for project management. Um, High Rise, I use. Um, what are some other tools other than the one we're going to talk about? What are some other big ones that we talk about a lot? Uh, we talked about Wonderlist a couple times. Let's see what else. Um, one of the big ones out there is OmniFocus. Yeah, OmniFocus. That's Focus. another one that's that a lot of people mention. We talk about um, all kinds of to-do I, uh, lists. We talk about apps like 3030 to help us be pro- more productive. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there, there's a lot of these things they get around, you know, and, and they become very popular for a while. But there's one service out there that has been around, for, well, all the way, as far as I know, I can remember as, back, as far back as like 2007, 2008. Um, and it's called Evernote. I yeah. was I was one of the very first people who signed up for Evernote when it first came out. And I thought it was pretty cool that it had a lot of promise to to store everything in one place, and I'm thinking, this is really cool. But I never really played with it a whole lot because I found that back in 2007, 2008, whenever that was, there were some syncing issues. You know, it just didn't always seem to do what I thought it should do. And and um, and so I kind of just, after a couple weeks, I gave up on it and said, you know, this isn't worth it for me. Uh, how about you? In the, when was the earliest introduction for Evernote for you? Oh yeah, right away. Right when it came first came out, that was where I was at with it. And I was using it and I was trying to figure out, okay, what do I want to do with this? Do I want to archive stuff, articles? Do I want to, you know, type up notes in here? Do I want to um clip pictures or throw them in here? All that stuff's been added gradually, different things here and there. And you know, I never really had any syncing issues, but I wasn't ever using it very heavily at the same time either. And so I didn't ever really have any problem with it. I think that the point in time where it really, the point in time that Evernote really started to catch on was the point in time when the iPhone launched apps. Yes, that that's exactly. And, and matter of fact, that's when I, you know, it first started to really become something I heard a lot about because it was. Th- there are a lot of services out there that allow interoperability between other apps. So, for example, Dropbox is another big productivity tool and, and allows us to sync data and store data and, and keep everything in a certain place and have it accessible everywhere. And and so there are a lot of applications that says, listen, we, you know, we sync with Dropbox, you know, we, you know, so you'll have your information there. But there's also been a ton of applications that say, you know, hey, we sync with Evernote, we sync with Evernote, we we integrate with Evernote. And then there are tons, I, I think there's an entire industry an entire industry of applications that are built on top of the uh, Evernote platform. Yes, and those are called um, in the trunk. Yes. Because the Evernote symbol is an elephant because elephants never forget. Exactly. So um, here's the deal. I, I've, I've, you know, I've tried Evernote. Every time some big announcement comes out, I would actually reinstall or maybe I didn't delete it maybe I just reopened up the application and and tried figuring you know it's like hey look at this let me see if I can figure out how I want to use this and stuff like that uh, a couple years ago my friend Andy Traub our mutual friend Andy Traub 
uh, you know, create, I think it's called systemizeme.com. Mm-hmm. And, and actually, let me insert here that he and Daniel Gold actually do a, an Evernote dedicated podcast called The, Produ- the Productive Life Show. Sweet. Very Currently. Cool. And it's very good. Very good. I might have to check that out. So I, I've, I, you know, when he created his product for Evernote and stuff like that, I'm thinking, you know, maybe I'm going to try this out. I purchased this product and look, went through it, and I'm like, eh, eh, I've got other tools to manage my life and and the data that I have moving around and stuff like that. And I didn't really think about it a whole lot more. And then, you know, as I get to know um, Michael Hyatt, I hear Michael Hyatt talking about Evernote and how everything he does is inside of Evernote, and he's tagging things and. He has a great system that helps him, you know, with everything. And, you know, my biggest beef was, okay, it's like, but what about that data? You're putting all of this inside of Evernote. You're putting all these, sometimes you're putting all this PDF information inside of Evernote. You're putting all this inside of Evernote. And as far as I know, there's no way for you, if if Evernote crashes and can't work on your system uh, because of an update that they just made, or if Evernote goes away, which I guess that's more and more unlikely now because they have a very solid business model. But what happens if they go away or in 10 or 15 years from now, they just don't exist anymore? How do we get all that data out of there then if the software is no longer valid and the website's no longer there? You can't just open the package on your Mac software and see all the data inside from what I understand. Um, have you heard any differently about that? Because I, I haven't found anybody that's told me that, yes, Cliff, you can if you need to dig in there and find your text document, all the text and all of the other PDF documents. They're not sorted. They're not tagged like you would want, but you can find them if you want to. Have you heard anybody say that you can? I have not, but I'm not an Evernote expert. And one thing I think that I've heard of is that there was a way to, you know, you install the app like on your Mac and it would sync to that Mac, and then you'd be able to maybe save that data file somehow. Yeah, as long so as that you'd have a as long as the Evernote interface, meaning the software, is up and running. So again, my my worst case scenario like mindset says, okay, well, what if ten years from now Evernote no longer exists, and um, and you know you go on moving for towards something else where three operating systems uh, advanced since they released a software uh, client for the desktop for Evernote and on, on the Mac. And now all of your data, sure, it was on, it's on your hard drive, but it's in an Evernote file that's somewhat encrypted, and you need the software to open up to actually find the data and then pull it out. Um, you know, how do you do that if the software no longer functions on this you know, new operating system and Evernote's not around anymore? So Yeah. Those are some of the crazy thoughts that I I was having and stuff like that. And what I realized, Eric, is that I'm paying high. I'm using Basecamp and I'm using High Rise, and these guys don't even put it on my local hard drive. You know, I've got so much data stored there, and I just trust them to consistently be available. And there are times when I won't even have access to the internet. How do I get that data? And and so I, I you know I tr- tried to use Dropbox and, and and I do use Dropbox but I decided this week to give Evernote a try, uh, you know in in a very big way, and initially I was not impressed because I noticed that not all of my tags were showing up on my thing and 
And what I found is that all of the most recent times that I've tried Evernote, it seems to me that if you're not a premium subscriber, some of the functionality doesn't necessarily work the way it would if you had the premium subscription. And so, hmm. like, like what? Like, for example, I, I created a ton of notes inside of my desktop application, and I've got tags galore. Let's just say I have like 60 tags already. And I sync it, and then it's, I know that it's available on the web, so I, I see all my you know, stuff there. But when I open up the application on uh, Evernote on the iPad and I did a sync, you know, it just didn't seem like it would allow me to search via tags and do some other things and, and stuff like that. And so finally, I, I said, you know what, I'm going to just give it a shot. It's only $45 a year. If it's a $45 investment to see if it's going to work or not, then I'll give it a shot. And I paid the $45 and boom, instantly this thing becomes the most awesome piece of software I've used in like years. So what are, what specifically are you using it for and what made you think this would do this for you? Well, here's, here's the thing. Um, you know, I've been using Basecamp for projects and, and storing data, but in Basecamp I don't have the ability to tag certain things. So I, I'm... I I wanted to be able to tag things. I wanted to be able to have... So basically, if, if for those who use project management already, what I've decided to do is I'm using um, Evernote as um, the actual notebooks as quote-unquote projects. So for example, I have one called New Media or NMX Planning. So that's all... Any kind of notes in here that I have related to products that I'm... or anything that I'm working on for New Media Expo gets a note in that notebook, okay? So that's what they, you know, basically a notebook is a folder and notes are your individual documents yeah, for those who are not aware of how that works. So basically, uh, let me give you an example. Like, for example, I have a folder, or, or actually a notebook called Resources. And I already have two notes in here. One is called Flywheel WordPress Hosting, and it is tagged with the tags hosting, resource, and WordPress. And then um, if I go into, uh, I'm also looking here. Here's one, Sparkle Video Scribe. This is whiteboard drawing animation for videos made easy. And so it's tagged drawing, resource, and video. I also have a notebook just called Miscellaneous. This is just all kinds of other stuff, and it just gets dumped inside of here. And normally, this would be unwieldy to actually find. But if, like, for example, I'll give you, um, there, there's, a, there's one note in here. It's just a miscellaneous note. It's a picture of a diagram of the difference between a mono cable and a stereo cable, or a TS and a TRS cable. I need to refer to this thing a lot. And so, so many times I keep looking for, you know, the diagram, and then I, I make a new copy of it and share it, blah, 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 blah. Well, I'd love to be able to just find it easily. Well, now it's just in my miscellaneous document uh, or in my miscellaneous notebook. But to find it, all I need to do is go to tags and then I could either find it under the tag uh, diagram because it's a diagram picture or I could actually go under the tag cable uh, and, and that's going to help me find it because I, I put it under those two tags. So, for example, if I, you know, if... If I ever wanted to find a document related to a specific topic, chances are I have tagged it with that topic so that I would easily be able to find it later, 
even if it's not in a logical uh, separate notebook. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. So here's uh, what I'll do is I'll run down for you. I have A to Z follow-ups. These are these are people who have said, Cliff, thank you so much for telling me about your A to Z class. I'm not able to do this one, but I am almost I, I, I am certainly interested in your very next section or session. And so what I do is I create a, na- a note and then the title of the note is their name and their email address. And then bel- and the actual body of the note is the message. I just paste in the message that, you know, the date and time and the email where they said, this is when I will be interested in your class. And so when it's time for me to end this, this next session of A to Z and I'm ready to announce the next one, the first thing I will do is go through this notebook of all the people who have said, hey, I'm, I'm interested. And I will go through each one of them and be able to find out, you know, if they're interested in this next session like they said they were. So that's A to Z follow-ups. That's, that's one of my notebooks. Digital products. So each of my digital products for sale, um, in, in, uh, they're all in e-junkie and stuff like that. And occasionally somebody will email me and say, hey, Cliff, um, I can't, I, my computer crashed and I lost everything and I can't find all the emails that gave me access to the you know, three digital training products that I purchased from you. Here are the list of the three products. And, you know, I go in and confirm that they purchased them, and, or sometimes I'll just take their word for it. And what I'll do is I would actually have to sign into eJunkie and go and get copy that email that it normally sends out. Well, now I've actually gone in and created a note for each of my uh, emails that eJunkie sends out so that I actually have a copy that's easy for me to find, even on my iPad or my iPhone. I can go in under the digital products notebook and click on the note for that particular uh, product and then highlight, copy and paste the email that eJunkie would normally send out to somebody who just purchased it and then respond an email by just pasting those in. Makes it so much easier for me. Mm. Um, Then I have, by the way, and I love the inbox. Of course, you know I'm an inbox zero guy. And so in my inbox, I have created a, a note called to-do items, and for now, I'm trying to actually manage my to-do items in my inbox inside of um, Evernote because they have little checklists and stuff like that. They don't have drag-and-drop functionality to to prioritize them, but I am able to copy and paste, and they may have some other stuff that I can look into, but uh, I will. And I love that everything is, you know, I, I set my inbox as my default folder so I can record or send notes to Evernote and and it basically gets fired or it gets put into my inbox and anything that is in my inbox needs to be filed and potentially tagged as well into another location so it needs either needs to go into one of these notebooks that I'm telling you about or if it goes into miscellaneous it certainly needs some tags for future searchability but not to mention the fact that as long as the ta- the note itself has a good title or the note has the keywords in it, doing a search inside of Evernote makes everything easier. Not to mention the fact that you can also put pictures, take pictures. Like, for example, I can write on my whiteboard and I could write all kinds of, you know, just tons and tons of stuff on my whiteboard. Take a picture of it and it will actually read and process all the text and all the text that I wrote on my whiteboard is now searchable in that image. 
Yeah, that's one of the killer features to be able to just say, okay, take this picture from your mobile phone while you're out and about, have it uploaded into internet or into Evernote, and then be able to, you know, from your desktop, just open Evernote and type in, you know, what was that again? I remember the sign said something, and there you go. Yep. the The next net book that I have is interview requests. I get a lot of interview requests, and uh, lately I'm I've. Basically, I allow myself to do one to two interviews every single week on Thursday afternoons after I turn off the live stream, and I was booked all the way through the end of the year, but I'm getting ready to open up like probably a full day or two of um, interviews back-to-back and to promote my next A to Z course, and by the way, if anybody's listening and you're interested in interviewing me on your show about podcasting and you're okay with me promoting podcasting A to Z, um, then get in touch with me because I am taking interview requests. And for right now, I, I don't haven't chosen the date, but anytime I get a request for an interview, I'm putting it in here and I'm telling people I will be in touch with them. And so that's how I'm keeping track of that. Um, Pen Ultimate is an application that allows you to take a little stylus and draw notes or write notes like it was a piece of paper, like your iPad was a piece of paper. And it is now it had been purchased by Evernote, and now it automatically syncs in and does the handwriting, scan analysis, and stuff like that. So I kind of like that. Um, I told you about resources, and this is just being built, but uh, I have tons and tons of little tech resources, like little pieces of software, plugins, and all of that other stuff. And I'm going to start keeping those in this folder. I use Skitch. Tell people about Skitch, Eric. Skitch is one where you can take screenshots, and there's even iOS versions of this now, which is great because I opened up my Evernote and suddenly all the Skitch stuff I'd done was right there in a notebook. Um, it's you can you know blur things out. You can take a screenshot on anything, uh, any device really, and you can blur out certain pieces of information that you want to have kept private while highlighting other kinds of information with literal highlighting or arrows and things like that so you can and draw attention to specifically what you were wanting to share with that screenshot. Absolutely. And so and, and of course for me somebody who's a teacher who teaches people how to do podcasting and I'm answering lots of questions I'll grab a, you know, people say, hey, I'm having a problem with my website. How do you fix this? And what I'll do is I'll take a picture. I'll get to the place in the menu system of the dashboard on WordPress and I'll screen grab it. And then I'll draw a circle around certain menu items and then I'll put an arrow, click here, blah, 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 and, and do all that stuff. And honestly, this there are two reasons why I'm really into Evernote right now. And Skitch is actually one of them. Because Skitch was purchased by Evernote and incorporated into Evernote, and now all of my every time I did a Skitch, it automatically put it in my Evernote account because I had one and I went ahead and authorized it to put it there. So I did find a couple of occasions where it's like, you know what, I did a Skitch on that. Let me go look that up, and and it was nice to be able to have that. And now I actually, you know, I don't, I try not to keep all my Skitches, but um, the ones that I know that I'll use again. Sometimes I'll, I'll just go in there and I'll tag them so that I can easily find them later. So anyway, it, it, Evernote, I am totally digging it. One of the things that I know will be a, uh, if, if I continue to get into it as much as I think I'm going to, which I, I'm, it's almost a certainty now, but um, I will be tempted to move my show notes into Evernote but I can almost assure you that I will not. Uh, one thing that I have learned 
is that, you know, there are some tools that are great for some things, and then there are tools that are just made for other things. And workflowy seems to be the one thing I keep going back to time and time again when it comes to show note preparation and outlining things. Uh, so workflowy is still my, you know, for for nested lists, workflowy is just the it's just the bomb. Yeah. But uh, Evernote's pretty nice. So basically, Evernote has all of the things that I just talked about. And then also, uh, Addy in our chat room says it's great. I love how you can easily share a folder or a document. It's very easy to do so. So if you have any one document that you want to share, uh, you can click on the sharing icon and it'll give a public link that you can share out to people. Uh, you can always turn the sharing off on those documents anytime you want as well. Um Daniel says, me too, and collaboration is a breeze. He loves the versions functionality. So if you're a premium, and this is only available to premium subscribers, but if you're a premium subscriber, um, you have the ability to look at prior versions of each of your documents and stuff like that as as they've been changed. Um, Collaboration, I believe, may also be, you know, sharing a notebook with another user, I believe is also a premium feature. And I, no, actually, it's it's not because I know I have notebooks that are shared with me and vice versa, and I don't pay for it. Oh, excellent! Then I think that I I I wonder have you shared? Have you tried sharing a notebook with somebody? Um, or ha, I don't people, have any that I'm sharing right now, but I know that I have one right now that is being shared with me, and I know they're not a paid person. Oh, okay, so that's good to hear. Okay. Uh, and then, um, let's see here, Daniel also says, I love the email to Evernote. So basically, your Evernote account has an email address. And of course, my HiRise has this too. So I can blind carbon copy uh, my HiRise account and I'll put a copy of the message under that contact information. But anyway, you, you get an, uh, a unique email address for Evernote and uh, you can send it. And basically, you can use the at symbol to put it in the right notebook. So you can put at and then the name of the notebook, and we'll put it in that notebook. And if you put pound signs in the subject line with a tag, it will automatically tag that note as well. Now, uh, Pat Flynn and I were talking the other day. I think he or Leslie Samuel says occasionally the the there's a breakdown in the automatic tagging if you do the pound sign and stuff like that, but it works most of the time is what he said. And so... Um, Anyway, I like that. And the cool thing, the one thing that I wonder is if it would be possible uh, for for each of the notebooks to have their own specific email address. So you wouldn't have to do the at sign. I wonder if you could actually just get a, an email address per notebook. And that's something I'll look into. But uh, anyway, Evernote, that is my productivity tip. And um, that's my f- uh, very, very, very uh, limited experience with it over the last couple years and now the last I'd say the last two days I've been pretty heavy into it and it's I'm really 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 excited about Evernote for the very first time I'd love to hear in the show notes if people would go leave comments for the on the show notes for this episode what people are using Evernote for Absolutely. Yeah, if you go to podcastanswerman.com slash 322, again that's podcastanswerman.com slash 322. Uh, tell us what you're using it for, if you're using it. Uh, and also, tell us what other applications or uh, other, um, yeah, other applications that you're using to to work with it. Um, oh, and by the way, uh, the plugin, there is the Web Clipper 
which is really cool. The web clipper allows you to install a little thing in Evernote that clips uh, uh, little snippets or a whole entire website into a note you can put into your Evernote program. Uh, and also, they actually have this thing called Clearly, C-L-E-A-R-L-Y. And Clearly allows you to go to a site, and you know how readability, you can actually make it a little bit more readable. It clears mm-hmm. away all the clutter. Well, that's what Clearly does. It's it's pretty much the same thing, but it also allows you to save those to your Evernote as well. Oh, and and one other thing. Um, the 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 final straw that made me want to try Evernote was um, the program called Read Quick by, uh, what's his name that's always on Twit? Him and his wife, Nat Clayton Morris. So uh, Clayton and Clayton Morris created a, a, a program called Read Quick, and Read Quick is a speed reading application that allows you to read uh, articles one word at a time, and you can adjust the speed at which you read. And it's supposed to help you actually start reading faster as you use it more. And the one thing that really got me was it was one more time when I heard this statement. But he says, in the, he says, not in the current release that's getting ready to come out, but the next one, you'll be able to bring in any document from Evernote into Read Quick. And I'm like, okay. That, that, so all of a sudden now, if I wanted to actually do something in Read Quick, I could just, you know, web clip it, put it into a note in Evernote, and then immediately open it up and read quick. That's some functionality that I would love to have. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, it sounds to me like you can't stop talking about Evernote. I know. In fact, um, Peter's mentioning another thing that the uh, the web clipper is now uh, up, upgraded to where it will actually take an entire threaded conversation from within your Gmail account. So if you wanted to, you could actually... Ooh, it'll, that's interesting. You, and, and one thing I learned is that you need to expand the conversation. So if you have one of the threads collapsed, it'll just say the first couple words, dot, dot, dot. So go in and, you know, if you, you're a couple... Uh, messages back and forth, uh, expand all messages so that you can see them all, and then click the web click clipper, and it will grab the entire threaded conversation and put it right into a note inside of your Evernote. It's awesome. I love nice. it. That's my that's my productivity tool. Uh, so there you go, Eric. Thank you so much for coming on and having. You're welcome. Cover. I think I feel I feel like I did most of the talking, but uh, well, I'm you, so passionate you, you about it. You usually need a sounding board, so yeah. Well, thank you for that. As if the audience isn't enough. Hey, tell people what's going on with your podcast. Promote it. Tell people uh, what they should go listen to next. Sure. Yeah. Always coming out with new episodes, and it, we're <laughs> getting ready to actually release the first volume of the book that I've been working on with a friend of mine. Sweet. So beyond the to-do list, volume one, goals. Nice. That'll come out uh, September 3rd is our launch date window. So I can't wait. And we just updated the, the, the site is not updated yet, uh, uh, but uh, the artwork for the show is updated now. I did see that. And uh, I'm pretty proud of that. It looks really nice. Very cool. So check that out. It's beyondthetodolist.com. And if you want to hear people talk like, Cliff just did about <laughs> productivity tools. That's all we do, basically. That and talk about how to, you know, balance life and you know, a well-balanced, integrated, productive life is where where we kind of go with that. So awesome. 
Well, Eric, I appreciate you, my friend. Thank you for coming on, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for having me. Well, my friends, that is going to wrap it up for this episode of Podcast Answer Man. Again, we do hope that you'll come into the show notes over at podcastanswerman.com slash 322. Let us know your thoughts on Evernote and how you're using it, what tools and applications you're using to interact with it. Also, just want to say real quick thank you to those of you who have been using my Bluehost affiliate links. Uh, three different domains I want to share with you today. A splendidtime.com, listenwhenitalkradio.com, and tvnursestalk.com. That's right, my friends. All three of those domains were used or were created after using my affiliate link. You can uh, learn all of my thoughts about hosting for your website and your podcast and how to do it right at podcastanswerman.com slash hosting. Of course, for those who use my affiliate link with Bluehost, I do get a very generous commission, so I thank you for that. Just a quick reminder that my next podcasting A to Z course is coming up on Monday, September 23rd. That's right, Monday, September 23rd. If you want to uh, get in early, you can get a $500 discount by using the discount code SAVE. Five zero zero again. That's save s a v e five zero zero at podcasting a to z Just click the register now button. Uh, let's see here. Also, want to tell you that uh, there are some great things coming up for New Media Expo. If you haven't done so already, you can go to newmediaexpo.com uh, using promo code. I think it's. It's either Cliff20 or GSPN20. I can't remember which one it is. But try Cliff20 first and see if that doesn't give you 20% off on your tickets to New Media Expo. If that doesn't work, you can email me, cliff at podcastanswerman.com. I will get you the right um, discount code. But anyway, I am just about ready. Within the next two weeks, I should have just about every single session wrapped up for the podcasting track. And Eric Fisher and I are going to be co-hosting this year the Podcast Report, which is the official podcast for New Media Expo uh, for the podcasting track. So it's going to be awesome. And uh, let's see, any other announcements that I want to share with you? Yeah, actually I do. The Veronica Mars Fan Podcast is now live. Uh, It has been something that Stephanie and I are very excited about, and we already have recorded five episodes of the Veronica Mars Fan Podcast, and as I'm recording this right now, three of them, three of those episodes are available to you right now if you subscribe. If you're a fan of the Veronica Mars TV show, or if you just want to get into it like I am right now before the movie is officially made, then uh, check out Veronica Mars Podcast. Thanks, guys. Helping you to get the thing you do.